Section 62 of Lives of the Most Remarkable Criminals Who Have Been Condemned and Executed for Murder, The Highway, Housebreaking, Street Robberies, Coining, or Other Offenses, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Lives of the Most Remarkable Criminals Who Have Been Condemned and Executed, Volume 1, edited by Arthur L. Hayward. Section 62. The Life of Charles Towers, a Minter in Wapping. Notwithstanding it must be apparent, even to a very ordinary understanding, that the law must be executed both in civil and criminal cases, and that without such execution, those who live under its protection would be very unsafe. Yet it happens so that those who feel the smart of its judgment, though drawn upon them by their own misdeeds, follies, or misfortunes which the law of man cannot remedy or prevent, are always clamoring against its supposed severity, and making dreadful complaints of the hardships they from thence sustain. This disposition hath engaged numbers under these unhappy circumstances, to attempt screening themselves from the rigor of the laws by sheltering in certain places where by virtue of their own authority or rather necessities they set up a right of exemption and endeavor to establish a power of preserving those who live within certain limits from being prosecuted according to the usual course of the law anciently indeed there were several sanctuaries which depended on the roman catholic religion and which were of course destroyed when popery was done away by law however those who had sheltered themselves in them kept up such exemption and by force withstood whatever civil officers attempted to execute process for debt and that so vigorously that at length they seemed to have established by prescription what was directly against law these pretended privileged places increased at last to such an extent that in the ninth year of king william the legislature was obliged to make provision by a clause in an act of parliament requiring the sheriffs of london middlesex and surrey the head bailiff of the duchy liberty or the bailiff of surrey under the penalty of one hundred pounds to execute with the assistance of the posse comitatus any writ or warrant directed to them for seizing any person within any pretended privilege place such as white friars the savoy salisbury court ram alley mitre court fuller's rents baldwin's gardens montague close or the minories mint clink or dead man's place at the same time they ordered the assistance for executing the law of any who obey the sheriff or other person or persons in such places as aforesaid with the very great penalties upon persons who attempt to rescue persons from the hands of justice in such place this law had a very good effect with respect to all places excepting those within the jurisdiction of the mint though not without some struggle there however they still continued to keep up those privileges they had assumed and accordingly did maintain them by so far misusing persons who attempted to execute processes amongst them 
by ducking them in ditches, dragging them through privies or lay stalls, accompanied by a number of people dressed up in frightful habits, who were summoned upon blowing a horn. All which at last became so very great a grievance that the legislature was again forced to interpose, and by an act of the ninth of the late king, the mint, as it was commonly called, situated in the parish of St. George's, Southwark, in the county of Surrey, was taken away, and the punishment of transportation, and even death, inflicted upon such who should persist in maintaining their pretended privileges. Yet so far did the government extend its mercy as to suffer all those who, at the time of passing the act, were actually shelterers in the mint, provided that they made a just discovery of their effects, to be discharged from any imprisonment of their persons for any debts contracted before that time. By this act of Parliament, the privilege of the mint was totally taken away and destroyed. The persons who had so many years supported themselves therein were dissipated and dispersed, but many of them got again into debt, and associating themselves with other persons in the same condition, with unparalleled impudence, they attempted to set up, towards Wapping, a new privileged jurisdiction under the title of the Seven Cities of Refuge. In this attempt, they were much furthered and directed by one Major Santlow, formerly a Justice of Peace, but, being turned out of commission, he came first a shelterer here, and afterwards a prisoner in the fleet. These people made an addition to these laws, which had formerly been established in such illegal sanctuaries, for they provided large books in which they entered the names of persons who entered into their association, swearing to defend one another against all bailiffs and such like. In consequence of which, they very often rescued prisoners out of custody, or even entered the houses of officers for that purpose. Amongst the number of these unhappy people, who, by protecting themselves against the lesser judgments of the law, involved themselves in greater difficulties, and at last drew on the greatest and most heavy sentence which it could pronounce, was him we now speak of. Charles Towers was a person whose circumstances had been bad for many years, and, in order to retrieve them, he had turned gamester. For a guinea or two, it seems, he engaged for the payment of a very considerable debt for a friend, who, not paying it at his time, Towers was obliged to fly for shelter into the old mint then in being. He went into the new, which was just then setting up, and where the shelterers took upon them to act more licentiously and with greater outrages towards officers of justice than the people in any other places had done. Particularly, they erected a tribunal, on which a person chosen for that purpose sat as a judge with great state and solemnity. When any bailiff had attempted to arrest persons within the limits which they assumed for their jurisdiction, he was seized immediately by a mob of their own people, and hurried before the judge of their own choosing. There a sort of charge or indictment was preferred against him, for attempting to disturb the peace of the shelterers within the jurisdiction of the seven cities of refuge. Then 
they examined certain witnesses to prove this and thereupon pretending to convict such bailiff as a criminal he was sentenced by their judge aforesaid to be whipped or otherwise punished as he thought fit which was executed frequently in the most cruel and barbarous manner by dragging him through ditches and other nasty places tearing his clothes off his back and even endangering his life one west who had got amongst them being arrested by john errington who carried him to his house by wapping wall the shelterers in the new mint no sooner heard thereof but assembling on a sunday morning in a great number with guns swords staves and other offensive weapons they went to the house of the said john errington and there terrifying and affrighting the persons in the house rescued john west pursuant as they said to their oaths he being registered as a protected person in their books of the seven cities of refuge in this expedition charles towers was very forward being dressed with only a blue pea-jacket without hat wig or shirt with a large stick like a quarter-staff in his hand his face and breast being so blackened that it appeared to be done with soot and grease contrary to the statute made against those called the waltham blacks and done after the first day of june seventeen twenty three when that statute took place upon an indictment for this the fact being very fully and dearly proved notwithstanding his defence which was that he was no more disguised than his necessity obliged him to be not having wherewith to provide himself clothes and his face perhaps dirty and daubed with mud the jury found him guilty and he thereupon received sentence of death before the execution of that sentence he insisted strenuously on his innocence as to the point on which he was found guilty and condemned that is having his face blacked and disguised within the intent and meaning of the statute but he readily acknowledged that he had been often present and assisted at such mock courts of justice as were held in the new mint though he absolutely denied sitting as judge when one mr westwood a bailiff was most abominably abused by an order of that pretended court he seemed fully sensible of the ills and injuries he had committed by being concerned amongst such people but often said that he thought the bailiffs had sufficiently revenged themselves by the cruel treatment they had used the riotous persons with when they fell within their power particularly since they hacked and chopped a carpenter's right arm in such a manner that it was obliged to be cut off had abused others in so terrible a degree that they were not able to work or do anything for their living he himself had received several large cuts over the head which though received six weeks before yet were in a very bad condition at the time of his death as to disguises he constantly averred they were never practised in the new mint he owned they had had some masquerades amongst them to which himself amongst others had gone in the dress of a miller and his face all covered with white but as to any blacking or other means to prevent his face being known when he rescued west he had none but on the contrary 
was in his usual habit as all the rest were that accompanied him he framed as well as he could a petition for mercy setting forth the circumstances of the thing and the hardship he conceived it to be to suffer upon the bare construction of an act of parliament he set forth likewise the miserable condition of his wife and two children already she being also big of a third this petition she presented to his majesty at the council chamber door but the necessity there was of preventing such combinations for obstructing justice rendered it of no effect upon her return and towers being acquainted with the result he said he was contented that he went willingly into a land of quiet from a world so troublesome and so tormenting as this had been to him then he kneeled down and prayed with great fervency and devotion after which he appeared very composed and showed no rage against the prosecutor and witnesses who had brought on his death as is too often the case with men in his miserable condition on the day appointed for his execution he was carried in a cart to a gallows whereon he was to suffer in wapping the crowd as is not common on such occasions lamenting him and pouring down showers of tears he himself behaving with great calmness and intrepidity after prayers had been said he stood up in the cart and turning towards the people professed his innocence in being in a disguise at the time of rescuing mr west and with the strongest asseverations said that it was captain buckland and not himself who sat as judge upon mr jones the bailiff though as he complained he had been ill-used while he remained a prisoner upon that score to this he added that for the robberies and thefts with which he was charged they were falsities as he was a dying man money indeed be said might be shaken out of the breeches pocket of the bailiff when he was ditched but that whether it was or was not so he was no judge for he never saw any of it that as to any design of breaking open sir isaac tilliard's house he was innocent of that also in fine he owned that the judgment of god was exceeding just for the many offences he committed but that the sentence of the law was too severe because as he understood it he had done nothing culpable within the intent of the statute on which he died after this he inveighed for some time against bailiffs and then crying with vehemency to god to receive his spirit he gave up the ghost on the fourth of january seventeen twenty four to five however the death of towers might prevent people committing such acts as breaking open the houses of bailiffs and setting prisoners at liberty yet it did not quite stifle or destroy those attempts which necessitous people made for screening themselves from public justice insomuch that the government were obliged at last to cause a bill to be brought into parliament for the preventing such attempts for the future whereupon in the eleventh year of the late king it passed into a law to this effect that if any number of persons not less than three associate themselves together in the hamlet of wapping stepney or in any other place within the bills of mortality in order to shelter themselves from their debts after complaint made thereof by presentment of a grand jury and 
should obstruct any officer legally empowered and authorized in the execution of any writ or warrant against any person whatsoever and in such obstructing or hindering should hurt wound or injure any person then any offender convicted of such offence should suffer as a felon and be transported for seven years in like manner as other persons are so convicted and it is further enacted by the same law that upon application made to the judge of any court out of which the writs therein mentioned are issued the aforesaid judge if he see proper may grant a warrant directly to the sheriff or other person proper to raise the posse comitatus where there is any probability of resistance and if in the execution of such warrant any disturbance should happen and a rescue be made then the persons assisting in such rescue or who harbour or conceal the persons so rescued shall be transported for seven years in like manner as if convicted of felony but all indictments upon this statute are to be commenced within six months after the fact committed End of section 62. Recording by Linda Johnson.